all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We also want to thank Eisenhower Center. It's a brain injury recovery center. Learn more about eisenhowercenter.com. They're located in Michigan and in Florida. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. Contact us if you'd like to be a sponsor on Veterans Radio, and let's move on to our program. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today Brigadier General Joseph Medina, U.S. Marine Corps retired. Uh, Brigadier General Medina, welcome to Veterans Radio again. It's a pleasure to be here today with you and your listeners, Jim. Well, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Joe today about leadership, but before we get into that, let me kind of set the table here. Uh, uh, Joseph Medina graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy, and uh, he later earned a Master's of Science in Systems Management from the University of Southern California. As a Marine, he's held command really at every level, from platoon multiple company commands, battalion commander, and regimental commander of the 3rd Marines. He's really kind of done it all, including being the first Marine Corps general to lead a naval task force with operational control over ships. So he's been around the world. Uh, uh, general Medina is was, in 2017, one of four Hispanics to hold the rank of Brigadier General and uh, above in the Marine Corps. Uh, he is a member of the Hispanic Veterans Leadership Association today. After getting out of the Marine Corps, he went into uh, pr- the private sector where he led engineering service companies and field service uh, projects in the uh, Middle East, Asia, and the United States. Did that for about 10 years. Um, he is a fellow of the American College of National Security Leaders. Uh, He has uh, been identified as one of the top Hispanic icons that made a significant cultural impact. Uh, He's been focused and featured in Hispanic business magazines. Uh, And in 2020, an interesting year for all of us, he started Intervoyage Leadership Group. So again, uh, General Medina, welcome to Veterans Radio. 
Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Well, I want to start with uh, a discussion on the book that you wrote, Joe, which is Battlefield to Business, One Marine's Inner Voyage of Ethical Leadership. And, and maybe we just start with uh, why the book? <clears throat> there's, a, there's a famous song by Sean Rowe. It's titled To Leave Something Behind. And uh, just a couple of the lines say, wisdom is lost in the trees. It's locked up from those who hurry ahead. Uh, and the ceiling is hard to reach. It's time to leave something behind. So I, you know, that just basically gives uh, my rationale. It's something to leave behind. I, I currently do a lot of talks, uh, leadership presentations with the the inner voyage leadership group mainly pro bono talks with colleges and high schools where I talk about leadership. So some of the uh, the lessons that I that I use, I wanted to put them in the book. So sometimes it's easier uh, to talk from that and leave something with the the students and the the audiences behind. Uh, and if I didn't do that, uh, it would be like leaving footprints in the snow come the next snow they've disappeared absolutely i think it's gr- it's a great reference if you will it's uh, easy to read it's it, you read these uh, principles of leadership and you go oh yeah 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 that's that says it better than i could i, I had it in my mind but i also sort of when i read this uh, joe i kind of felt this isn't just uh, you know 30 years of uh, being in the military and 10 years of being in private sector um, I, I sort of felt maybe there was a little twinge of things you learned from your father uh, right on through your mili- military career. Am I overreading that? Uh, no. Yeah, my my father died when I was young, but uh, he was a career soldier. Uh, he enlisted in the army when he was not quite sixteen. Lied about his age. It was the end of World War II. He was able to get in. And at the end of his first enlistment, he corrected the records for his right birthday. Uh, and he, he, he did 20 years, a little over 20 years, and retired. Um, and then he, he, he uh, spent the, several years in Vietnam as a civilian and, and had some injuries there that, that uh, resulted in his death. So, yeah, there are a lot of lessons from early in life. Uh, neither my, my father nor my mother were high school graduates. They were both farm workers my father from originally from Irvine born on Irvine Ranch in California um now Irvine California and my mother from uh, a foreign family out in in uh Georgia Alabama area um so you know they they instilled in, in me the desire for continuing education and to to make something better um so yeah you're right and there's a and to address a lot of the lessons I learned from from our 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 enlisted NCOs and staff NCOs and and that I, I think I I got that ability to relate and learn from the enlisted community from my father as well. Well, that is one part of the book that's really I think uh, special, and that is talking about the NCOs. But I also sort of um, read and reading. You know, chapter after chapter, as it builds on itself, that it's not always 
you know, you don't always take the easy path. And uh, again, that may have been something I, I was uh, reading into your family situation, but also for a guy um, to go to the Naval Academy, for, for a Hispanic to go to the Naval Academy at the time you did, you didn't choose an easy path, nor did you choose an easy path to become a Marine. And that kind of comes through in your um, discussion of that, that inner voyage uh, uh, of leadership. Uh, yeah, I think you've captured that right. And that's why I named this leadership group the inner voyage, because each of us and ourselves, we have to make that voyage on which way we want to go. Um, and, and each time there's a fork in the road or a decision to be made, you have to make uh, the best decision um, possible. Uh, looking out for both your your people and and your your mission, so that's a a constant weight that that you have to play. And I, I address that in, in the book as well is that that weight of you know your your people versus your mission. Yeah, and and in that idea that you, every fork in the road you got to take a path. It's not always the easiest path, and. That certainly kind of echoes throughout the book when you talk about ethics, and, and in Chapter 6 in particular, uh, you talk about maintaining your ethics even in adverse situations. Can you expand on that a little bit? Um, yeah, that's, that's always, we, we all make, example is, is you've seen some emails we send, you know, you, you, sometimes we're quick off sending an email when you get upset and later on you regret saying, oh, I, I shouldn't have sent that. Um, so we all get placed in adverse situations and react sometimes the wrong way. Um, and I, I use a couple examples in there where <clears throat> there were bad, stressful situations where people reacted. Uh, and although the situation they were faced with, they were, uh, you know, their decisions were right. The actions they took because of their emotional reaction uh, ended up making, you know, them look as bad and therefore they, they're giving up the, the moral high ground, so to speak. So, so that is, uh, that's, that's an important thing as we go through, we need to, we need to ask ourselves, you know, what is the right decision to be made? You know, one, I worked for, when I was a major, I was a company commander for a summer at OCS, Officers Candidate School. And the CEO was a Medal of Honor winner by the name of Wesley Fox. And uh, a friend of mine had another company next to mine. And, and he would ask me, he said, how come you can always read what Colonel Fox is going to do? You, you seem to be able to, have a good read on him. And I and his name was Joe also. And I remember saying, Joe, this is easy. I always, you know, Colonel Fox always does what he thinks is the right thing to do. So I I put my I phrase my uh, information that I'm presenting so that he's led up to the decision of what's the right thing to do and whatever he thinks is the right thing to do. That's the decision he will make, even if it's a, a very hard, uh, hard decision. So, and that's one thing, uh, although I don't use that example in the book, that's one thing I'm trying to get across is, yes, we have to do the ethically right thing. 
Yeah, and even when you, you know, the example you give in the book is sort of this emotional reaction, but when you react emotionally, you tend not to look through the lens that says, what are my core ethics? What's the right thing to do? You kind of skip those lenses because you're just reacting emotionally, and I think you're you're trying to advise the 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 reader slow down, <laughs> stick <laughs> stick with your core ethics. This will all work out better. But, Absolutely. But one of the one of those things you just mentioned is how you put information together for the leadership uh, to get to help them make the right decision, and and that brings up another interesting chapter, chapter two about determining critical information and, and, and what's not known. I think a lot of people bump into this thinking they have all the facts. Tell us what you were thinking about and what you've learned and what you're trying to pass on on this uh, business uh, uh, axiom. Yeah, as, as you would expect, I've been in a lot of decision briefings, either for me or I'm briefing a, a senior leader. And that is not just the military, but in the business community as well. And a, a large number of times, the majority of the times, all this is briefed is, okay, here's all the information we know. And then they, they base decisions on that. And not, a, not as many times do they ask the questions, okay, what is it we don't know or haven't asked yet? because that may, in fact, weigh which way we're going to go. A lot of the major, and what I use is some examples in the book, uh, when I, I headed for 10 years engineering um, field services teams, and whenever there's major incidents or accidents, uh, a lot of times we would do a root cause analysis where there's a, there's a methodical method to go ask the questions about what is it you don't know what is not known, and sometimes that affects what caused the resulted in the in the action, the the accident or the action that happened. So that's that's what I'm saying here is we need to make sure we go into this with rather than just what we know, at least understanding what what is it we don't know because that may the assumptions we make may in fact be the wrong assumptions. Yeah, and I think it's so easy to think, well, I've got all the information, let me make a decision off this, but as your advice to leaders is, again, to kind of slow down and think about, okay, you've got all that information, but what is it you don't know? And I love this quote and, that you and included. I can also address that later in the communication for the, a lot of times a leader will walk into a meeting, and the first thing, first few, when he's opening up with his comments, he will basically give the solution. And, and if he's done that, then you're not asking what is it you don't know and you're not being objective. You're just basically saying, how can we, you know, proceed ahead based on what, what the, the leader has said rather than, than really having an open mind and, and looking at what are the, what are the unknowns and what are, are the problems that we, we are really facing. Yeah, oftentimes everybody's just trying to justify what they think the boss wants rather than saying we know this and we don't know that what where's that leave us what's the what's the right thing to do uh, you you tell a great story about uh, uh irish egan who who you're quoted as saying tell me what you don't know after a helo repel training event and i and i have to say i want you to recount the story a little bit because 
Um, I think most of us out there think, you know, generals are these perfect guys who never had a, you know, just had perfect military careers. But every now and again, that's not true, is it? <laughs> no, and, and in fact, I, I probably would have never made it up the chain if people didn't recognize, you know, some of my mistakes that I made and, I, and, and helped me through them. I try to recount that, but this in this particular incident, Irish Egan was a prior enlisted uh, Vietnam veteran, and then also uh, um, then became an officer. He had, uh, uh, if I recall right, he had at least two Purple Hearts and a Bronze Star. I mean, he, <clears throat> but he wasn't. He was a uh, an older brother type of leader. Um, he, you know, he, he did spend a lot of time mentoring and counseling. And this was one of the early days I had just joined the company and, you know, his, his, one of the things he said right off was, you know, leaders have to lead by example. We step up and, and do things first to show our Marines how to do them. And so they're not afraid to do them. So we had planned a, a, uh, 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 Hilo Rappel is repelling from a from a they were CH-46 helicopters and we were going to do that. <clears throat> he assumed that uh, coming out of the basic school, the officer training course, that uh, I had been through that training and knew what I was supposed to do. Um, I didn't know, and at the same time, I I for, you know we're talking several decades later. I don't know why I, I didn't tell him other aside from, I, I guess I thought it, it wasn't going to be a hard exercise. So I had never done that helo rappel. And uh, then I have to go up and, you know, the first man from my platoon, I jump out of the helicopter doing a rappel. Um, and, you know, rather than doing it the correct way, you know, when I started going down that rope fast, I started squeezing on the rope which is burning my hand. So it, it was, and I started going down faster. As, as people that have done that know, if in a non-combat scenario, you have a Marine at the bottom on belay that is, will pull the rope out to slow you down if you start going too fast. So that's what happened. But as soon as I hit the deck on the bottom, you know, Irish Egan came up and he realized that I, I had no clue what I was doing. And he took me aside uh, and, and he, he said, hey, there was two major errors today. One, he said, was on himself because he didn't ask me and confirm that I knew how to do that. And second was myself for not bringing it to him, telling him in advance that I, I had not had that, that training before. So, well, there, there are two valuable lessons that the listeners should pick up on leadership there. One is the acknowledgement that that Irish Egan said, hey, I, I put you into this situation. My mistake, I should have asked. And, you know, your acknowledgement that I should have said something. And the third one I'd pull out of that story is he pulled you aside. He, he, yeah. le he led by bringing you away from the other guys and saying this rather than making fun, berating, joking, all the other things that I think sometimes happens in the workplace when the right way to lead in that situation, as you talk about in your book, Battlefield to Business, One Marine's Inner Voyage of Ethical Leadership, is you, you do that a little more privately in that situation so that there can be a growth opportunity. Yes, and there was one other thing that Irish Higgin did, and that weekend, 
he took me out to the, uh, you know, there, there are these uh, rappel towers. Uh, he took me out with some rope and, and uh, I think there was a couple other platoon commanders there with him to, to help. And, and he taught me how to do uh, rappelling. So he, he made sure I knew what I was doing before the next time. But and he and he didn't, uh, ber- as you said, he did not berate me. And, and but he, he did teach me the importance of letting him know if I didn't understand something or if there was a skill that he did not have. And, and while we're talking to Brigadier General uh, Joseph Medina, retired from the United States Marine Corps, and, and we're on Veterans Radio, so we're telling a lot of the military stories, the audience for this uh, book is not uh, just military or just veterans. Talk to us a little bit uh, about that broader audience that can pull leadership uh, points out of here. Yeah, one thing I found in my, you know, over 10 years in the business community is a lot of the senior leaders in business, even those that have not had military experience, want to learn from the experienced military uh, leader. So, you know, they're, they're, as a matter of fact, the forward for the book was written by, uh, you know, a former, the former CEO of the, the company I worked for, Granite Services, and he's gone on to be the CEO of some, uh, some other large companies. And he looked for uh, leadership. He looked for military leaders that could come in and, and demonstrate uh, the servant style leadership, servant leadership style, and, and ethical leadership. Uh, so, you know, the lessons here are, are trying to make sure, you know, the, the leaders, business leaders at the mid-level going up were, can, can learn from some of the lessons that I did learn and how they apply to the, to the business scenario. So that, that's my uh, intent, and, and there is a lot. I know I've had several business people contact me um, that appreciated some of the lessons that were contained in the book. And this is for the sort of that mid-career person who is, you know, hopefully moving up the ladder in a way they want, but but also has a le- a boss or a leader that they're reporting to. And, and, and I'll bring up one more chapter I want you to talk about a little bit because I see this often, and it's Chapter 7 on Don't Push an Untenable Solution. Uh, talk about what you're trying to communicate there. Yeah, that that's chapter seven is an important chapter, and it starts out with, you know, one of the maxims I use: it's don't put lipstick on a pig. A pig with lipstick is still a pig. Uh, it's it's actually, I did not come up with that saying. Um, there's several famous people that have actually uh, used that saying, but it, the point is, you actually need to to paint the correct picture on what's going on and, um, and make sure everybody understands, don't use rose-covered glasses uh, when you're looking at a situation. You need to be able to do an honest assessment. That's a problem uh, we, I've seen a lot in the military, but I also see it in the business world. Uh, a, new, uh, a name that I have seen lately for it is called confirmation bias. People sometimes look out and they 
they get confirmation and they're looking for certain things to confirm what they already believe, you know, like uh, situation reports, you know. So, so they sometimes they disregard the things that don't agree with what they their feeling is, and they only report or, or things that are are going the right way. This was one one of the significant failings during the Vietnam War, you know, where where there were reports about how we were winning all these fights and all at this at the tactical level, but yet it, there was a bias against information that did not agree with that. And actually, this this goes back centuries. I mean, this this happened uh, uh, the the first uh, first uh, before there were shoguns. A guy by the name of Toyotomi Hideyoshi. In Japan, in in the in the 16th century, he had united all of Japan right before the first shogunate, and he invaded. He, in order to give the uh, the lords below him something to do, he he invaded Korea, and with the ultimate aim to eventually invade China, and they fought in Korea for um, I I think it was 15 years or so, and at, at Several times in there, he lost major battles, or his forces lost major battles. But he was getting the reports that that he was that they were winning. Um, you know, there's many reports that indicate that uh, Hideyoshi thought he was winning in Korea, and he wasn't aware of the true situation on the ground that he was not. So it ended up being a major defeat for for all of Japan at the time. And the end result of that was that Japan closed in on itself, didn't let anybody in for centuries after that. But we see that all too often in situations like the Vietnam situation. And we have to ask ourselves, is that what we also saw in Afghanistan? We see that in the companies you know, they're getting reports and the senior management is led to believe that everything is going one way and then everything collapses underneath them. Well, there are um, there are really important uh, business principles, leadership principles in this book, Battlefield to Business, One Marine's Inner Voyage of Ethical Leadership. We're talking to its author, Brigadier General Joseph Medina, USMC, retired. Uh, Joe, if people are interested in the book or interested in following uh, some of the things you're doing or maybe making contact, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the, the book is available through Amazon or Barnes and Noble or through the iUniverse uh, website. Uh, they can go to any of those websites. They can buy it uh, off uh, online, or they can uh, they can uh, go to the uh, uh, the website, um, which is my website, which is uh, um, the www.iUniverse.com. Uh, and then they, it's either available there or they can communicate directly with me through that means or through LinkedIn. Um, and if they want to communicate their personal uh, questions or, or lessons or, or any, anything like that. Well, we really appreciate you taking some time today to talk to Veterans Radio 
Uh, again, we talked previously on the Hispanic Veterans Leadership Association, but now we got a chance to talk about uh, the business leadership book. And uh, Joe, we really appreciate the time that you've given us to Veterans Radio. Thank you, Jim, and thank thank all your your listeners. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fossone. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by going to veteransradio.net. And until next time, you are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, NVBDC.org, Eisenhower Center, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan. VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor. And the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. They keep us on the air, as does your support. Go to Facebook, go to veteransradio.net, and support our efforts. And until next time, you are dismissed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.